First of all, it's so good to see everybody every week, of course. We're always amazed at what God is doing as God continues to bring new faces in our midst. Um, again, for us, it's real special because we prayed about this when it was only nine of us. We prayed about who God was going to allow us to be in ministry with. And, of course, it grew. And then the whole core team wanted to know, you know, when we dedicate ourselves to moving into North Philly, uh, what's going to become of it? And we keep looking and being blown away by what God is doing. Um, we are in a book uh, called Proverbs. You know, when I was in hermeneutics class where they teach you the art and the science of interpreting the Bible, one thing that I had never considered before is how necessary it is for you to understand the genre of literature that you're reading. You can't read every book of the Bible the same, just like you don't open every book and treat it the same. You don't go to a telephone book and look for once upon a time. It's a different genre. As a matter of fact, you go to a telephone book, and if it wasn't in alphabetical order, you would be frustrated. Like, what kind of telephone book is this? The type, the genre of book this is will already let you know I should be looking for an alphabetical order. Uh, if you went to, uh, to Genesis and you start hearing a story, you start liking the way the Bible tells stories, you say, oh, this is narrative literature. I like this narrative literature. Then you get over in the Psalms and it's real short and it's real cut and it doesn't have any plot development and you say, you get frustrated with Psalms. Well, that's not the same genre. Well, here we go and we're getting in Proverbs. It's called wisdom literature. You don't take it the same way. It's not filled with absolute promises. It's filled with general maxims or general principles. It basically is true, yet you're going to always run into times where you're going to follow the letter of what the proverb says and something different will happen. The Proverbs is not like, oh, my fault, I misled you. The Proverbs is like, in this genre, we're talking about generally speaking. Generally speaking, you should cross, you should look both ways before you cross the street because you'll get hit by a car. I ain't going to look. Ha ha, see, I made it. Okay, I mean, like, that's what a general maxim is. You'll make it, but if you live your life that way, one day, bam, like Frogger, and then it's like, so you should have looked both ways. So, so, once again, we're in a book that is loaded with uh, general principles, and because the Holy Spirit has included it in the Bible, we know that if we can determine that this is a principle that God wants us to hold on to, that we can bank our lives on it. We can conform our lives uh, to it. So we're going to continue. Right now, I want to ask a question. If you could be any animal, if you could be any animal that you wanted, uh, what animal would it be? Would it be a lion? Perhaps, you know, I mean, I'll be quick. To, you know, I mean, want to be a lion. You know, one, first of all, they have a roar that you can hear five miles away. The lion is a, a beast. He can leap over 30 feet. That would be like me, just like running through the hood, like, what up, what up? Ah, five miles away. They're like, oh, he coming, he coming. I'm soaring 30 feet. Eyesight, five times better than humans. Maybe you want to be a lion. Maybe, maybe you want to be an eagle. Maybe you want to be an eagle with a, a majestic bird with a wingspan of like eight feet. You know what I'm saying? You just want to go around. You and your whole squad could just bask in your wingspan. You'd be like, yo, come on, I got y'all. I mean, can fly up to 60 miles an hour. Just normal. You like, you know, shifting gears, trying to get up to 60. The eagle's like, I'm trying to tell you. And can see for more than a mile away. 
can see for more than a mile away. Perhaps you want to be an eagle. Perhaps you want to be a cheetah. Maybe like you, you know, you want to do well in sports, so you want to be real fast navigation. You can, the cheetah can reach up to 45 miles and in 2.5 seconds. You know what I'm saying? So that's like that quick, like if you're in the hood and somebody pull out on you or something, you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like oh, you know what I mean? How about a polar bear? Anybody want to be a polar bear? Too cold? Now, I just saw a movie, I'll be honest, where people just like the cold. They were up in Alaska, frigid as a mud. So maybe they would want to be a polar bear. Polar bears, first of all, they're the largest land predator. So, I mean, like, nobody could beat you. You're, like, walking around on land, like, what up? Plus, they can swim up to 100 miles a stretch. I mean, who wouldn't want to swim 100 miles a stretch? Because if you fall in and you start drifting, you're like, well, I got at least 100 miles before I need the next ledge. (laughs) And they can locate their food, the seals, over 40 miles away. Oh, yeah, seal. Where? Like 40 miles away. <laughs> and y'all know the ladies are like, I don't want to be none of these grotesque animals. So maybe y'all want to be like a peacock. <laughs> Pretty feathers. Known for its beauty. That's, I was looking up facts, and that's really all it's known for, for beautiful feathers. Y'all like, that's what I'm talking about. Let me be a peacock. Peacock. The book of wisdom called Proverbs would like to challenge all of us to consider another animal, another example that's not as prestigious, not as grand, not at all big, not at all fast, not at all powerful. It's a small thing. Yet it is a model of something that's so key to you successfully navigating through a world that God made to function a certain way that the proverb says, how about considering being like an ant? Like an ant. You like that, huh? Like an ant. It is a model of wisdom in the proverbs. In fact, Proverbs 30, verse 24 and 25 says this, Four things of the earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. And the first on the list was, The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. See, the ant may not be all of the things that we said, but the ant at least knows what it's supposed to do knows when it's supposed to do it, and he does it. So he's considered not just wise, exceedingly wise. The ant understands the divine order, food, the time to get food based on the way God has rigged his world is in the summer. This is the harvest ant, more than likely, who harvests and places grain in his nest so that when his times come, when it's not time to harvest, He's still chilling. And so the Bible makes a case 
Be like the person who, first of all, understands divine order. The thing that makes you wise in this genre is, first, you're in connection with Yahweh or the Lord, or in our case, the one who revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, they're like, you're smart, but you're not wise the way wise can be. But he also says, not only do you know God or you're connected in relationship with God, but you understand the way he's rigged life and you can form your life to it. Last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about the pole that won't move. We were talking about the fact that God has a way and you can try to defy God's way, but you'll find out it's like the pole that won't move. So he says, those who navigate understand God. And they live their life in light of it. In fact, he calls it the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord says, I know he's no joke. I know that his ways are impeccable. I know that if I defy his ways, I'm going to be sorry. So the ant says, I'm not going to just do my own thing. I'm going to find out when have you rigged it for food to be in it. Okay, that's when I'm going to do it. And so we look and we see the ant is known for its diligence, its diligence. And so one of the things that we want to look at today is something that many of us might sleep on. It's not too spiritual. Why waste a whole sermon? Let's talk about something more religious. No, uh, the, 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 word he, the word in Hebrew for diligent is really only found in the book of Proverbs. Five times diligence or the diligent, the word karutz, in the Hebrew is this word that only appears here because this wisdom literature or this book that's all about how to do life right deems it necessary to focus in on an attribute you can't sleep on if you're going to navigate through life right. If you're going to wind up. Remember in the Proverbs, life is a road that's always throwing you forks in it. A fork is in the road. And you must make a decision. You must make a decision. Will you listen to the voice of Yahweh uh, in this context or the voice of the Lord? Or will you listen to the invitation of his competitors? In their case, it was idols. Today, it's idols, but they're idols in many different forms. Will you listen to the rapper or will you listen to the Bible? Will you listen to the actor or will you listen to Jesus Christ? Will you listen to those who know God or will you listen to your feelings? So he says, well, will you be diligent? God places a high value on diligence and in the book of Proverbs we see it about five times it appears and so this is something that's not just something we throw away like make sure, like Talk to me when we're dealing with something religious. And we're going to see how it applies to our lives uh, as we go on. First of all, it comes from a word that means to cut or to sharpen. To cut or to sharpen. I sort of struggle with how they got diligent from cut or sharpen. The best we can come up with is that the idea metaphorically is similar to when we say cut to the chase. Get right to it. It's distinctive and decisive action that actually gets right to the goal. So it's not sidetracked. It doesn't linger. It cuts right through all of the fluff. It cuts right through all of the distractions and makes a beeline for the goal. So the diligent are constant. They're moving. They're people of action. And they cut to the goal. We're going to see why this is important because every aspect of life, both temporal and spiritual, or both in this life and thing, pertaining to things in the life to come, 
are affected by our diligence. We're going to see it's the way God made the world. You see here, uh, even in this proverb, the ant recognizes that God has both a, a world that's what we call resourceful and responsive. Listen, resourceful and responsive. God is always the one who acts, and based on how he acts, we're able to act. One of the things we believe is that you can't beat God to the punch. God beats you to the punch. You don't believe in God before he empowers you to believe in him. You don't choose God. He chooses you. God is always previous to you. Uh, you don't just come up with plants. God loads the ground with the capability of producing plants. And then when you go to plant, you'd be like, hey, look what I did. God says, you didn't do that. I made it possible for you to do it. But it's also responsive. As long as you don't plant, you don't see it come. So the world is designed by God. He loads it with potential. He loads it with reaction. And then he demands a diligence or a work ethic that goes in and actually has to harness it. So what you see here is like a pinata. A pinata is designed. First, it's loaded with a whole bunch of stuff you want. But the whole design of a pinata is for you to go to work trying to get it open. And that's part of the fun. Nobody's like, I can't stand it. Why you didn't just give me the candy? Nah, like the whole design of it is, and you like it. You like swinging around. Because in the parties I used to go to, even if the birthday boy or birthday girl misses, like they find a way to help you to bash it open. Because that's the point, to get to it, even if you have to cheat. You see what I'm saying? But you like that part. You like having to be involved in bringing forth what's been loaded in there. So you don't take credit for what's in there. You don't even take credit for getting what's out of there. But you recognize what's in there is comes out as a result of something that I did, which is continually swinging. And so the Bible makes it clear from the, the very beginning that in God's world, inside of every tree was a dining room set. But he didn't just say, Adam, peep this dining room set. He said, Adam, peep the tree. And Adam, through the grace of God and the, the, the blessing of the created order of man is, come, let's make man like us. Let's give him the ability to peep a tree and not stop there, but go to work on that and bring out of that tree a dining room set. Adam, peep the ground. Go up in there. Well, the sons of Adam, sooner or later, it's like, boom, oil. Dang, I would have never known that if I wouldn't have got up in that ground. God has placed it and loaded his world with things that produce and God says, it is diligence that God has rigged the world to respond to and not the opposite. We're going to see that. And so you and I are sitting here. I used to wonder why. I said, who in the world got us to start paying for water and electricity and oil, stuff that's just up in the piece, like up in the place? I was like, dang, why am I paying for water? Why am I paying for electricity? Like, so whoever discovered it should have just harnessed it and said, here you go. God made it free for us. But you know what we're paying for? We're not paying for the electricity. We're paying for our inability to apply the kind of diligence that they can apply, the kind of knowledge that they can apply, the kind of skill that they can apply to make it usable, to make it accessible. And so God is saying there's a rule in life. And that is that this world responds to diligence. Every believer should embrace this. So in Proverbs 12:24, we read uh, things like this. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. 
the hand, like in Proverbs, it's just understood for God's covenant people. Don't get so spiritual. Don't spend so much time just praying and meditating that you don't recognize that God, the same one who gave you prayer, God, the same one who gives you faith, also rigged his world to either bless or booby trap. And so what has God revealed that he blesses? Even through scripture, we see he blesses diligence decisive action that cuts through all of the distractions and gets to the goal. Think about the evolution of lettuce. I used to cut lettuce open, get rid of the real yellow part in the middle that's bitter, swash, sort, break, chop, all of that. One day somebody gets brilliant and comes up with a way to make bag lettuce. With a couple of little orange shreddings and some, uh, some purple cabbage. <laughs> They're millionaires. And now you look. The diligent hand will rule. Them putting their mind to it in whatever process. They could have been like the rest of us. Just give me a head of lettuce. It's so funny that now I don't even. I look at heads of lettuce and roll my eyes. But just, but look, it's cheaper. It's cheaper to get a head of lettuce and chop it and do it. My lack of diligence. So now I'm a slave to their bags. It just goes to show you the diligent will rule. Think about post-its. You know how easy it was and how cheap it is to have a scrap, rip it, put a little sticky or a little tape or something on it. Somebody got wise on us. And then cut it and made it all pretty. And now look at us. We can't do without post-its. Once again, the diligent on top. They're millionaires for giving us something we didn't come up with. The diligent hand will rule. You know, Jesus said the sons of this age are more shrewd. They sit at home and and they, they don't even know me. But through common grace, they do the things... And in concert with the way I've rigged life, and they reap the benefits. And God looks at his people and say, the diligent hand will rule. Kick your feet up and trust the Lord. We're going to get to when it's time to rest and just trust and not work. But kick your feet up. I'm just waiting on God. And you put the forced labor. Proverbs 10.4. The one who is lazy becomes poor. But the one who works diligently becomes wealthy. Once again, this is a general principle. There are people who work their fingers to the bone and are still waiting for their income tax check. I'm one of them. (laughs) Even though I don't get anything back during income tax check now. So I guess I lied. This is extremely practical. It's extremely uh, theological. So that's what I'm saying. In Proverbs, to make a buck the legitimate way requires diligence. Whenever you're afraid or whenever you're unmotivated to diligently do what God has required people do in order to receive the things that he's packed into his world, you take shortcuts. So all through Proverbs, diligence is often in the context of passages that, uh, that talk about shortcuts. We're going to get to that when we, uh, a little further. Even your spiritual process or progress 
requires diligence. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work or do for his good pleasure. Once again, it's this idea, this command. Yes, God is already the one at work. You're not working against God. You're working in concert with God. And it's because God is at work in you that now you can be told you've got a part to play. You work out based on the fact that he's worked in. Diligence. Even you want to, yo, I don't like, yo, give me something like sanctification. This is sanctification. Watch. Second Peter. Uh, my, uh, did we change that? Second Peter. Um, it's actually one starting three. It says his divine power has granted us all things. That's God loading, loading us already. God has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and his excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature. Skip down to verse five. It says for this very reason. One translation says, be diligent. Make every effort is another way. Exert energy to supplement your faith with a string of things. Virtue, virtue with knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection. He says here, these things are the things that keep you from being uh, unproductive in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the things that keep you from just being walking around talking about I'm saved, but nobody ever seeing or reaping the benefits of your salvation simply because nothing has ever happened beyond your profession of faith. He says even diligence, a generic principle, is the reason why some people are not maximizing what God has done in them. And so the idea here is... Proverbs is saying, don't sleep on the spiritual nature of diligence. Now, the one way the Proverbs wants you to understand how how important it is for you to be diligent is to look at how comical it is for you to be the opposite. So the turn to Proverbs six. Proverbs six. Proverbs. One of the main ways Proverbs teach is through what we call antithetical parallelisms antithetical, meaning it's opposites, but it's parallel. Like, you look at this, and it's almost identically in the opposite direction. So, sometimes you'll see them to, just to tell you to be diligent, they'll tell you what it looks like to be the opposite. And so, Proverbs 6, 6 says this, Go to the ant, there's our friend again, O sluggard, the sluggard. (laughs) Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer. There it is again. And gathers her, her food. He goes to the, uh, to the ant slugger. Now he looks and he says the opposite of being diligent or industrious or making right effort is being like a sluggard. The sluggard is the one we're going to see that in Proverbs is slapstick comedy. <laughs> the sluggard is, is going to be the, the brunt of jokes. And so he says, go sit at the feet of the sluggard. And he says, now look, this is the sluggard, right? Flies in the face of how God's world works. Just says, I know that there's a, the way God worked this world, it responds to diligence, but I have a different plan. 
Proverbs sees the sluggard as a target for jokes, like we said. He's a knee slapper. And so we're going to see that. He says here, without anybody cracking the whip, the ant just gets to it. The ant sets his own alarm clock. He doesn't do like I used to do when I oversleep. And I'd be like, Mom, why you ain't wake me up to go to my job? (laughs) We're teaching our kids... Right now, we have to, they, they need a chief. That's what parents are for. But every day we have to say, did you get in your word? They'll be downstairs eating breakfast, but have you gotten in your word? Says, see, the sluggard has to have a whip crack. And somebody has to tell the sluggard to pursue spiritual things. He says, no, 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 no. But the ant is modeling the diligence that says without external, a, a, a swift kick in the pants as the, the, the adage is, the, the ant goes and pursues or diligently does the things that produce the right result, which is pursue a certain thing that's in connection with godliness. He says, oh, go to the ant sluggard. Observe her ways. Sit at the feet of an ant, which is funny already. We're talking about comedy. Because a sluggard has to stoop down and observe an ant. He says, man, it's so funny. The thing that's smaller than you is teaching you. The thing that's not as impressive as you is teaching you because the slug thinks that he's okay, that she's okay. The ant sets its own curfew, knows it has to get up in the morning, self-motivated. It prepares for a time that's not yet. Diligence says there's going to, I got to stay on the grind because there's going to come a time when I can't do what I can do now the way I can do it now. And I have to be prepared for when that time comes. And so the diligent are committed to the goal and they cut through all the distractions. They cut through all of the activities and they make a beeline for the goal. How long will you lie down, old sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest? Your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. The word for sluggard, I seal, is also only found in Proverbs. Now, isn't that funny? We would have got away if it wasn't for Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs stops you dead in your tracks and confronts you with two polar opposites. The ant, the diligent one, and the sluggard, the one who seems to be addicted to sleep. How long will you lie down? When will you arise from your sleep? And it's almost as though Proverbs wants you to see the humor. The jokes are about to start. The, the, it's almost like Proverbs wants you to hear the humor. I, I'm coming. Let me just get a couple more minutes. A little slumber is a little lighter than sleep. It's just nodding, a little snoozing. But the key here is that it's just a little. See, for the sluggard, this is just a little. I'm just taking a little time. I'm just catching my breath just for a little He says here, uh, a little folding of the hands. You see how he's getting a little more comfortable, though. Now, trust me. Trust me. I'm coming. He says, yo, God's world responds to not I'm coming, not soon, but to diligence. He says, how long? He says, the way you're going 
It results in poverty. It results in need. It results in lack. So this is why they are not, they're made a mockery. Because the way, that the, the way that the sluggard takes produces nothing. But the reason why this is spiritual is because whether it's your personal life, whether you mess around here and get married and you're joined to somebody and it's your family life, whether somebody hires you and it's, you're working for someone in business, whether or not you join a church and you're within a covenant community, each of us needs something that each other has. The only problem is what we have is locked behind the door of in a minute until you go to the ant and consider her ways. And so he goes, he says, the the sluggard has an active imagination but doesn't have active limbs to match. Proverbs 22, 13. Look, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. See, the jokes are starting. First of all, more than likely, there is no lion outside. This is parallel to Proverbs 26, 13, which says something simpler, uh, I mean, similar. The sluggard says, there was a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. That's usually where work took place. So that's why, that's why he shouldn't go to work. I shouldn't go to work. I might get eaten by a lion. You never know. I I can't go in today. How come? You heard about the murder rate. A stray bullet might hit me. The sluggard, the opposite of diligent, is an expert at excuses. Verse 14, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. The sluggard is so committed to comfort, so committed to ease, that it's like he has a small or she has a small sphere of what they do and where they do it. And he says, it's like a door. It's hinged. It only goes a little bit this way and a little bit that way. He says, that's the slugger rolling over on his bed. Like, and and, it, and it, it's a sandwich across the room. And the slugger's like, dang, I'm hungry. If only the sandwich was on my bed. I need to make a phone call. Dang. But the phone is attached to the wall with a cord over there. Verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but then he gets too tired and he is weary of bringing it to his mouth. See the jokes? He says, oh, I'm starving. I can't believe it. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. The sluggard starts but never finishes. The diligent start and they continue to the goal. If it's your personal life, you need a job, not us. You need to grow spiritually. You need to. You need to. What about when your family needs you to? But your family needs some. Go to the ant. 
So God honors when we work diligent, and you gather that just by looking at how foolish the antithesis, the opposite is. This is God preaching theology to us through the ant, through the slug. Proverbs 12, 27, one last joke. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. The slothful, or which is a synonym for the sluggard, goes out, kills his game, then comes home, and then he leaves it on the counter and says, I'm too tired to cook it. Diligent is a trait of the wise. It's efficient action that knows that God's world is rigged to respond to diligent action. And so we look at it again and we see that if we're going to respond properly, we must, like the ant, understand that God has uh, an affection for work, yet God is not against rest. So Second Thessalonians 3, um, let's look at that real quick. Um, because in the New Testament, uh, it really shows you this in the context of uh, community. Um, in the New Testament, Second Thessalonians 3, verse 6, says... Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who was walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any one of you. Let's just stop right there. Now, again, this is a New Testament theological spiritual matter, the simple matter of work versus not working, the simple matter of discipline and diligence versus slothfulness and a lack of discipline. Once again, Paul says this is like those traditions we pass on, the tradition of the cross, the tradition of the virgin birth, the tradition of salvation by grace through faith, the tradition of baptize, the tradition of the Lord's Supper. Like another one is work. Says work. He says, no, let me clarify. If you don't work like you shouldn't eat. He says, you should imitate us. We were careful to make sure we didn't just preach good messages. We worked. Now, ever since the fall, work that was supposed to be pleasurable turned into toil. We were always supposed to work, but we were supposed to like it. You ever, like, do a project you like? That's the kind of work we were supposed to do, things you get fulfillment out of. But after the fall, after Adam and Eve rebelled against God, the, the work began to fight back. So now planting tomatoes is not as easy as it seems. Now planting cucumbers are not as easy as it seems. Now starting a business is not as easy as it seems. Now getting an education is not as easy as it seems. Now growing in grace and in knowledge is not as easy as it seems because it's, the world is not neutral until something happens. The world is actually hostile toward the plan of God, which is work. So now work is, has an enemy. It's, in Christ, it's like weeds. Weeds come up to frustrate plants. The enemy is there to frustrate growth in Christ. I remember 
And I remember, like, when I was back, when I was smoking weed, it was like, when I tried to stop, all of a sudden the weed was being offered to me. When I was smoking weed, everybody said, well, where your $3? Where your $3? I ain't got it. Well, then you ain't got no weed. But then as soon as I try to stop and I try to honor the Lord, yo, you ain't got $3? Don't worry about it. We got enough for you. Something is at work. So he says, we toiled. Like, we understand we're in a fallen world, and we didn't let the toil stop us. We toil because we know it's a spiritual matter. He says, uh, keep going. He says here, it was not because of you, uh, excuse me, that we would not be a burden to any, uh, um, um, excuse me, burden oh, to any of you. Verse 9. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Now, he was saying, I actually could chill like I am laboring and I am working in a way that means I shouldn't have to do the labor and toil that I've been doing but I'm I'm raising Christians I'm making saints who need to understand that it's not all spiritual stuff that's spiritual but that there's physical stuff that's spiritual because for the Christian there's no such thing as well that's the sacred part and this is the the worldly part he says, for the believer, even your work ethic, your, how you do at work, how you do on the job, how you do in your church. Like God sees the people who are part of a community, but like the sluggard to the community. God sees the people in the family that's like the sluggard, meaning they have all the excuses why they can't do anything outside of the little sphere of their comfort zone. So Paul says, I just wanted to show you the principle of work and don't be a burden. For even, verse 10, when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Once again, it's proven you that just the, 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 the unspiritual act of not working is a spiritual act. Worthy of the, the, the people of God, the covenant community, brushing you off to the side. But we know that God has a sphere. There's a, there's sometimes we try to work. Once again, the ant understands divine order. So he knows, hey, it didn't say that in the winter he gathers his food. It says in the summer he gathers his food. So the ant knows divine order. Well, sometimes we try to work when God says don't work. So the Bible says that salvation, your relationship with God cannot be achieved by your work. You're, you're, you can work all you want. You can say, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And the Bible says cease from that kind of work because that work is not how divine order has rigged salvation to be received. Salvation is received by rest or by grace. And so he says, no, 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 no. And so we live in a day where um, there are times when we try to work when God says rest. Let's look at the example of Jesus just real quick. And did Jesus, the most authentic human that ever walked the planet, imitate this? The Bible makes, gives you a record of Jesus as a man on a mission, a man on a move who would not be sidetracked by invitations, who would not be sidetracked by oppression and opposition. Diligence says, I cut through it all. Like a sharp object, I cut through it all and I get to the goal. So at 12, we see him already looking at his parents, breaking away from the crowd that was going back after seven days of feasting and seven days of being where all the religious stuff is happening. Everybody else is like, now we go home to regular life. And Jesus remains behind. He didn't get left behind like Macaulay Culkin. No, he's remained behind. 
And but his 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 uh his reasoning was, didn't you know I had to be here? Like I had to I have an obligation and I wouldn't let anything stop me from being in my father's house. That's that's somebody who's saying that, that my spiritual uh, my spiritual responsibilities are so heavy on my heart. I know how to break away from the crowd and handle my spiritual responsibilities. And he's like and he's and again, as Pastor E often uh, um, uh, talks about God was the first missionary. God was the first person to get on the move and not let even our sin hinder him from getting us back. So, he, so Jesus is coming down as God and showing us what God is about. He says, even as a man, when God becomes fully man, he shows you how man ought to do. And so even at 12 years old, you know how to break away because you're committed to the goal. In spite of extremely packed days, Mark says that he rose early while it was still day and he went to pray. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ had busy days. So he got up while it was still dark. And said, but I got to pray. So the diligent say, I have to get up earlier. The sluggard says, give me just a few more minutes. The diligent says, I better wake up a few moments earlier. Spiritual pursuits at work, uh, in school, the diligent. And this is all a reflection and an imitation of the one who is fully God and fully man. When people were looking for him, he cut through the hype and said, let's go to the next towns that I may preach. That is why I came. Once again, the diligent know what God wants them to do, and they they know how to escape the entanglements. They know how to escape even the feeling of fatigue and tiredness and get to the goal. I'm not denying that sometimes like Elijah, God doesn't say the remedy is rest. But we're talking about like the sluggard who seems to always, as a lifestyle, have a reason why God's calling them to rest. (laughs) John 9, he says he was convinced that he must work within a divine time frame. As a community of believers, again, if we don't work, we have nothing to share. When you don't work, when you're a sluggard and you're not diligent, often you don't have. But you're always in a community of people who do have. So what does that do? That makes them have to carry your load. So that's why it's an offense because God is raising a family and everyone's supposed to be contributing. This is why in families God made it. We were talking about kids being an inheritance. Got to go. Kids being an inheritance from the Lord. One of the reasons why they were an inheritance is because in those days, the bigger the family was, the more efficiently you could handle family affairs. And so they would, but a lazy group of 12 sons and daughters is like, you're defeating the purpose of me having you. One of the purposes. Y'all know what I mean by that, too. Like, we need some more workers. All right, come on, honey. That's not what that means. When we don't grind, our spiritual discipline will suffer. Our families will suffer. Lastly, let's close. Turn to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 looks a lot like Proverbs 6. Verse 30 says this. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Once again, Proverbs does not look favorably on the the slacker. 
And behold, his vineyard was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The difference between the fool in Proverbs and the wise person is the fool goes by feel, sits and sees the feel, clearly the product of sluggishness, slothfulness, negligence, but doesn't learn from it. Goes back home and his vineyard or his field looks exactly the same. Here... The wise look at the field, see it. He said, I learned from it. I received instruction. The idea here is I'm not going to be like this. You apply this spiritual principle to any area of our lives. He says, I passed by the field of somebody that just took it easy. Somebody that came up with excuses. Somebody that started but never stopped. Somebody that didn't get away from the distractions. Somebody that was held down by opposition. And before you know it, I looked at their place and it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. This is that picture of, it's not neutral, a hostile active force is always at work to do the opposite. So if you just do nothing, you won't just get nothing. You get thorns, thistles, and things covering it up. Then the wall that was supposed to protect was also broken down. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you. And so today, as we continue hoping that we build a community of believers who reflect the fact that God has done a work of grace in their lives, We know that our premise is that our relationship with Jesus Christ starts this journey of wisdom. Until the Lord Jesus Christ is in your soul by grace through faith, you're the person walking on what the Bible calls the broad road that leads to destruction. The wise or the person that fears the Lord or the person that's in a relationship with God, which only happens through Jesus Christ. That person now is walking through life and constantly is hearing solicitations and invitations to choose a way that's not consistent with the way their Redeemer has rigged things. And in the fall, during the fall, God does not change the fact that it's the fall. He gives you wisdom so you navigate in light of the realities of the fall. Prayer is hard. So you go to bed early so you can get up if you're going to do morning prayer. Prayer is hard, so we close our eyes so we won't be distracted because we know that prayer is communion with God. Bible study is tedious. It's, 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 sometimes it's complex. You have to wrestle with it. So you cut the TV off. Sometimes you cancel the cable. You do whatever it takes to be diligent. The community needs you. So you commit yourself, even when you don't feel like it, to coming and getting it in with believers. Discipleship is a must. Becoming conformed to the image of Christ. So you rally. You take initiative like the end who doesn't need somebody cracking the whip. And you go search out people and say, yo, I want to stick with you. I want to get with you. Uh, pour into me. Or you set your sights on somebody that says, I want to pour into you. And you commit. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we just present to you today the biblical view of diligence. The idea that as we are aiming to add to our spirituality, one of the ways we can't sleep on is God's view of what it means to not be a sluggard, but to learn from an ant, to study her ways, who without external kick, without whips being cracked, she's about her business. She knows what it takes to, uh, to tap into the way God has rigged life. So the Bible says that this is God's mean to his ends. Nothing stops the diligent from taking that route. God is at work. Remember, it is he that is at work in you to do this. The reason why you can cut a tree with a chainsaw versus with a butter knife is because there is a power that's at work to cut the tree. Yet it's not going to get cut just sitting on the ground going, Rrr. But you can saw all day with a serrated edge butter knife that cuts through metal and then slices tomatoes thinly and you still won't cut a tree down. So God is the power to help us to live these principles out. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, as we focus on the Lord's Supper, we're praying that you will see that we represent the real God, the true God, the living God. Who, who, who thinks this? Who thinks of this? We didn't come up with this. Proverbs is about, you can just look around and see. If you do nothing, nothing's going to happen. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And so let's pray to the God. Father God, we are blessed. We are blessed to have a